the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, God has not called us to be defeated in the cause of God. He's not called us to fail when he has called us. He has not called us to fear when faced with a threat of an enemy that seems stronger than us. God has not called us to close the window and release the bow to just let it go and not to shoot the arrow of truth that is the promise of victory. He's called us to pull it back and let that word work in our lives. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. With today's Reaching Your Heart, here he is, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The broadcast is entitled Attitude and Answers. Pastor Mike. Elisha had fallen sick with the illness for which he was to die. Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying. Now what does he say? My father, my father, what? The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Why did he do this? Because he was seeking a legacy like Elisha sought. He was hoping that maybe something like that would happen. He's referring back to the very words that Elisha had when he saw the chariot of fire and Elijah taken up into glory. He was hoping perhaps for that mantle of Elisha to be given to him. Perhaps he was expecting that the whirlwind appear again and the prophet wouldn't die. He'd be caught up into heaven to glory, but that is not what happened. But what's significant here is he doesn't ask for anything, really. He just says this. Unlike his master, Elisha must die before he sees the whirlwind this time. There'll be no such intervention here. Friend, Jesus is coming at the end of the age in fire and wind and storm. He's coming for all those who die in Christ. He's coming to resurrect them at the end of the age. And that storm and fiery chariot will appear again. The Apostle Paul is very clear about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will what? Will rise first. I want to say amen to that. And then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together. That's a rapture. But that's not a secret rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And now when do we all meet the Lord in the air according to this verse? When Christ returns after the resurrections, when we meet him. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So present with the Lord at the end of time is what the text is saying in verse 17. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, we're not to comfort each other with false theories that aren't in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that someone dies and immediately goes to heaven. In fact, at the great sermon that was preached at Pentecost, Peter said, David's sepulcher is with us till this day, and he has not yet ascended into the heavens. 
And so he had not yet gone to heaven. We know when we get there, we get there at the end of the age when we are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we are present with the Lord at that time and not a day sooner. Paul knew that when he died, he would be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But he doesn't say when he'd be present with the Lord in that passage. He explains it in other passages. Paul is very clear that we sleep in death until the resurrection. In fact, he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we shall not all sleep, which means saints are asleep in Christ. Daniel says, those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. And yet people say, oh, you believe in this teaching of soul sleep. No, we believe what Jesus' word says, that a person dies, that that is night when no man can work. That's what Christ said. And he comes to awaken us out of sleep. The resurrection resurrects people from an unconscious state in which the whole person is made alive again. And we meet the Lord together at the same time. You know, I don't want little children slipping into heaven without their parents. Do you? Do you? Growing up for centuries, wanting mommy and daddy. That's not how it works. We enter heaven together, one great glorious procession as Jesus comes, as the planet is harvested, as it says in Revelation 14, with the great sickle as the Son of Man gathers the wheat, and then as also the grapes are gathered for destruction, and we are gathered into the house of God in one glorious day of victory. Elisha will meet Elijah on that last day when the whirlwind appears again and we will all go to glory that love the Lord Jesus. Now how does that old African-American spiritual go? When I come to die. When I come to die. You know how it goes, right? What does it say? Come on. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me what? Jesus. Time had come for Elisha to die. And so he speaks as a prophet should when he dies. Look at verse 15, 2 Kings 13. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it, and Elisha laid his hand upon the king's hands. Friend, a mentor does more than challenge his pupil with his words. A mentor touches the life of the one he teaches. That's why preachers are meant to be in people's homes, visiting them. That's why when church members are doing physical work, we need to be doing it with them. That's why when people are hurting, we need to be there if we can, so that lives are touched. We don't just preach sermons. We are where people are at. A mentor communicates through that touch in life the greatness of life and the purpose of the life and the presence of the mentor in the life will live on after the mentor's death. Verse 17, he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. Now, if he'd said this to my boys, they'd have said, Yes, sir, we'll do it. Because they love shooting arrows and they love shooting anything else that's ballistic. And so the king probably was a little bit like my boys. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Now, what did he call the arrow? Come on, look at the Bible there. What did he call it? Whose arrow is it? It's not your arrow. It's the Lord's arrow. And that means the Lord's arrow is what kind of arrow? A victory. So it's not your victory. Whose victory is it? The Lord's victory. It's the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. Now, we need to pause on this. Joash called Elisha. My father here. You see that? Previously, he called him my father. He had previously called him my father. Now, 
Here we see the arrows. So you put sons and fathers together, and it kind of draws your attention to a text. Turn to Psalms 127, verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are what? Are the sons of one's youth. The words of the prophets are like arrows that move into the future toward a target. So the target is the future. It affects it for victory. And if the prophet's words are not rejected, they will reach their destination. And they are the prophet's legacy for every child of faith. The sons of the prophets, we are that. If we listen to their words, those words will affect our lives today. Now we hear voices today that say, you can't really believe the scripture. It's full of human error. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is full of human error. I feel so sorry for those folk because they are eliminating the arrow of victory from their life when they are condescending toward God's word in that way. The arrow of God's word has a force that will strike the target hard and effectively and confound evil forces. The word of God will find its target at the right time. Friend, when God speaks his words through the prophets, the word can destroy evil. Look at Psalms 45, verses 4 to 6. In your majesty ride forth victoriously for the cause of truth to defend the right. Let your right hand teach you dread deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. Now this is probably where the first seal of the book of Revelation is coming from, this passage, where you have a victorious rider with a bow going forth conquering and to conquer. It says, your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Your divine throne endures forever and ever. Your royal scepter is a scepter of equity or justice. Isaiah 49.2 speaks of Christ prophetically as the living word of God, as the embodiment of all truth the prophets present. You know, when a person says, I don't have time to study the spirit of prophecy, or I don't care about the Bible, yeah, I just want to study philosophical ideas. They're really saying by that that I don't really believe that God has authority in my life, and I don't believe that Christ is the extension of the written word. It's a fatal flaw in a person's thinking. Friend, God has not called us to be defeated in the cause of God. He's not called us to fail when He has called us. He's not called us to fear when faced with the threat of an enemy that seems stronger than us. God has not called us to close the window and release the bow, to just let it go and not to shoot the arrow of truth that is the promise of victory. He's called us to pull it back and let that word work in our lives. Friend, God's arrow will strike its target at the right time if you have faith in Christ and there will be victory in your life. Did you hear me? You got amen that. Children, come up. All the children in church, come on up. We're having a teaching session here. In the Lord's army? Yeah, he says, you're in the Lord's army? Are they in the Lord's army? All right, they know what's happening here. Now, in every military organization, there is military language, isn't there? When the word of God is proclaimed in God's army, and the truth is important to affirm, what do we say? Amen, right? Okay, now, the arrow of God's truth brings victory in your life. What do we need to say to that? Amen. So I'll let you start. Amen. Amen. Help them out. Amen. Let's do it two times. Amen. So he promised victory. When we have the word of God, the arrow hits its target. Now, 1 John 5, 4 says this. Our faith is our victory that overcomes the world. 
You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. So the second command of the prophet is a call for faith. It is a call for Joash to internalize the victory of God by saying something and doing something, by having an action that makes a difference. Now I'm going to read verse 18. We're going to do something here. And he said, take the arrows. Okay, take the arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and he stopped. Now think about that. The prophet's first command is a clear command with no ambiguity in it at all. He says, take the arrows. The two of you with the arrows, come over here. The prophet said, strike the ground with the arrow. What does that mean? Well, it means victory, doesn't it? Now, if you want victory, he tells you to strike the ground. Do you do it like this? Or how would you strike it? <clears throat> right? Hard? But would you only want victory once? No. So you would do it how many times? Something like that, right? Now, am I right or wrong? Okay. Now, I'm going to give you each a chance to strike the ground. You want victory? Strike it. And strike it good. Keep whacking at it. Nope, nope, no. Nope. You've got to whack a few more times. Yeah, like five to ten. Now, let him do it, too. You want victory. Now, you hit it hard and whack. Yeah, that's victorious. Now, you come here and you do it, too. Come on. Whack it good. Right here. Whack it good. Yep. Yes, now that's victory. In fact, stop. He broke the arrow. Amen. Amen. Yeah, there you go. That's working. (laughs) Okay. Hey, you're going to hit the preacher. You keep that up. That's pretty good. Whack it good because it means victory. God's word brings victory. Yep. All right. We don't leave anyone out of victory here, okay? Hey, that's right. You could just keep on going. Okay, that's good. Amen. Now, we should say amen to that, shouldn't we? God bless you. Thank you for being up here and helping us out. The prophet's first command is a clear command with no ambiguity in it at all. He simply says, take the arrows. The arrows represent the word of the prophet given by God to Joash. Elijah is saying, take the words of the prophets as they are. Don't manipulate them. Don't change them. Don't reason them away. And trust them to bring victory into your life. Friends, don't fill around with the prophets. Don't explain them away with your higher criticism. Don't get so smart with your religion that you don't think you need the prophets in your life. Take the arrows of God's promises and use them to claim the victory of God in your life. The second command of the prophet is just as clear as the first. Strike the ground with them. Now these kids did that, didn't they? Wasn't that good to see them do that? What does that mean? It means take heaven's truth. Now follow what I'm saying here. That must hit its target and whack the earth that needs it with that certain truth from God's word. Take the earth that needs the arrow of God's word and whack it and whack it and whack it with enthusiasm, power, and faith to save men and women for the kingdom of God. And so Joash is faced with a test. What will he do with the arrows of God's word given to him by the prophet? 
How will he relate to the promise of victory that must meet its target in the future? So he took the arrows, and that he did correctly. He did that part right. But then he whacked the ground three times. Not 60, not 50, not 40, not 30, 20, or 10 for the law of God. No, not even 10. Or five for the Torah. Three pitiful times he whacked it. Now, when we expect little from God, we get little from God. When we cast a vision of hopelessness, we get a harvest of hopelessness. Friend, when God gives you his word and he asks you to act upon the arrows of his word with faith, you may have one arrow in your hand. Whack the ground with that one arrow again and again and again and keep on whacking as long as you can. Get as much out of God's promises as you can and keep claiming that promise in your life for victory. It will carry you through life. Faith is our victory, John says, that overcomes the world. Joash whacked the ground with those arrows only three times. He didn't ask for a double measure of Elisha's spirit like Elisha had asked of Elijah. He didn't ask for anything from Elisha at all, really. And when the prophet offered something anyway, he didn't expect much from the prophet's promise. He whacked the ground three times, that's all. Look at verse 19. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. You limited the answers God has in your life because of your bad attitude. That's what he's saying. Friend, we are often limited because our expectations surrender and they go so low that we tell the great God of heaven who has infinite energy that he can't do this in our life. We sometimes feel that God will not act when his word says he will act. The scripture records of Joash in 2 Kings 13 verse 11. He also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin, but he walked in them. Friend, the sin of unbelief destabilizes the life. And many sins follow surely from one sin, the sin of unbelief. Friend, you cannot afford to be an unbeliever in your Christian life. You cannot afford to have an attitude of no faith. It means you will not have commitment that will place you solidly in the right ground when Jesus returns. You cannot afford to reject the words of the prophets for the smart ideas of philosopher kings. And you cannot afford to be pessimistic and self-centered in your work in the church and your labor for God in it. Why? Because attitude alters answers. Unbelief sows the seeds for a limited victory or no victory at all. And definitely, it sows the seeds for a road that leads to sin. Unbelief is the problem. Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit, has he not? The Holy Spirit. Amen. So we can have what? Faith in God. His word to seize the prize. Two statements in the New Testament bear this point out. John 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The whole world will be held accountable not for being perfect or not. They'll be held accountable for whether or not they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when given the opportunity or not. 
We are saved or lost based on the action of faith in Jesus Christ. The sin of unbelief is huge after the coming of Christ. And if you reject the spirit of prophecy, the words of the prophets that are the testimony of Jesus, you'll be found guilty of the sin of unbelief because the arrow of God's victory, that is the extension of the living word Christ, comes through the words of the prophets. The Greek text here in Galatians 3.22, another verse that really echoes this, but the scripture has consigned all things to sin so that what was promised to faith in Jesus might be given to those who believe. Now I read this to you from the Revised Standard Version. It really is an inaccurate translation of this verse. The Greek text is much more clear here. But the scripture literally has consigned all things to sin so that what was promised literally out of or from the faith of Jesus should be given to those who believe. Now, whose faith here is he talking about? Not ours. In the Greek text, the faith of Jesus. Christ's faith is the victory that overcame the world, and we must make his faith our faith to have victory. In Revelation 14, 12, the final generation of believers who keep the commandments of God will also possess the faith of Jesus The mountain of his faithfulness will empower the mustard seed of their growing faith in him. Christ endured the cross with all its hell and agony with faith in God and his Father God. Christ took the arrows of God's word into his hand as the living word that must die like a seed in the ground. And Christ was smacked, but he smacked the ground for every one of us and he felt the blows until God exhausted the judgment of sin in him. And he held on by faith till he had victory at the end. It is finished. Isaiah the prophet prophesied of him as a sharp arrow in the darkness of God that would find its target, the word of God. He made my mouth, Isaiah writes, like a sharp sword. He's prophetically describing the preexistent Christ when he would come and die on the cross. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. Christ was hidden in the darkness of the cross. As that darkness enveloped Calvary, the living word of God, the one arrow that would hit its target, had put his cross right there on the spot that would be the highest place in heaven and earth one day. And there in the darkness of the cross, he took every whack we deserve until sin was fully dealt with from Adam to the end. Dear heart, in the darkness of the cross, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, Jesus was the arrow of God's word. Whacked until sin had no more power to destroy the weakest sinner who places their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Christ died to give us a legacy, to give us a future, to give us his legacy. Elisha died too. And there's life after death. 2 Kings 13, 20. You know, when Jesus died... We see all the sins of the world being judged on Friday. Do we not? Do we not? And we find God's condemnation on sin Friday in Jesus. But you know what? The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The same law that required the death of the sinner requires the life of the sinless one. And Paul says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. 
The law required the death of the sinner, and Christ died on Friday for the sins of the world. The law of God requires the life of a sinless man. Christ had never sinned. The judgment reconvened on Sunday morning. God the Father pointed out that even though Jesus died for the sins of the world, he never sinned. And based on the law of God, he called for the resurrection of his son from the dead. And as it says in the book of Hebrews, he swore an oath. I have sworn an oath. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And Christ became our living high priest and never die again. Friend, a legacy leaves more than just words behind. It brings life to the future. Christ died on the cross. He opened up the life gates for the human race. 2 Kings 13, 20. So Elisha died, and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, lo, a marauding band was seen. And the man was cast into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Dear Heavenly Father, as we leave this place, many of us, and we go to the church, as we enter this place that's bigger than us, the future is bigger than our expectations, really. May we not make it small with fear or what we cannot see with the eye of man. But may we, O oh God, take the arrow of faith in God's word and let that arrow strike its target. And Lord, give us a double measure of your spirit, the spirit of Elisha, to sow the truth in this town in this way that has never occurred for people yet unseen to be saved. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reaching yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.